Now back to the weekend sports buzz. Call in on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. And welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz with your host, Kelly Patrick. I'm Carlo Kellum. We are back for another two hours of nonstop sports. A lot to talk about from yesterday, a lot of big college football games. My Kentucky Wildcats were in action, and my prediction came very short. I predicted a 14-point loss, but it was, what, 40-7? to 7? At least we scored a touchdown. 41-point loss. 40, yeah, 41-point loss. But I predicted a 14-point loss. So I had it backwards. So I was kind of close. There was all sorts of hope after the first quarter when it was 0-0, and Alabama seemed to have a horrible case of turning the ball over. You can say... I will say, in the first quarter, Kentucky's defense looked good. Alabama <laughs> seemed to be determined to turn the ball over, but Kentucky's defense looked improved yesterday at certain points in the game. Certainly not when they gave up 24 second quarter points or as to the rest of the game when they but I was gave close. up a total of 48. But were, I was, yeah, I, I, my vision was correct. You said 14 and said you just I, had the digits wrong. Dyslexia. <laughs> you pleading dyslexia. That's yeah, fair. Like, yeah, I, it came to me in a vision. It was really 41, but I saw 14. So I was right. So I got one prediction right. Plenty of other, other stories to talk about. I'm a Louisville fan. I, may, I don't you know deny that. Stanford lost in an upset to Utah. Their, Stanford going into yesterday was... The number five team in the country. How does that help Louisville? Well, well it helps them move up, move up the rankings. Also, uh, Georgia lost, which helps them move up the rankings. Uh, there was a couple other, another, another big loss. Right. Texas A&M lost. I mean, so Louisville, they should be able to move up there, even though they didn't have a big performance against Rutgers on Thursday night, Go- a game I was in attendance at. Going into the season, I said that if Louisville went undefeated, I thought they had a, about a 5% chance of playing for the national championship. I'm not backing off of that. If and yesterday, loses. although there were, the, there were like a couple upsets that s- seemed to help Louisville's case, there was also Missouri won, and then I looked down and, oh my goodness, Missouri's undefeated. They were only ranked 25th. Oh, actually, Texas A&M won. I'm sorry, I said they lost. When I went to bed, uh, when I dozed off on that game, they were down. They came back. Sorry about that. So Stanford losing was the, the and Georgia. A couple games. Clemson looked at certain points like they were going to lose. They ended up winning 24-14. But my point is, Missouri, who going into yesterday was ranked 25th, they beat Georgia. And and I realize... But Georgia had a few key injuries, though. That they game. did. So they they were, did, they but, but they still players, lost. Yeah. Now, now, they, they, now they have a loss. Um, Missouri is now 6-0, and and they are in the SEC. The power So of if SEC. they continue to win out, which they were certainly not predicted to do so at the beginning of the year... I don't but think anyone saw anyone. No one saw Missouri being six and zero. Right. I heard now. many people say that Missouri would be a team that Kentucky would. Well, beat. you know, this is really the toughest team they played so far in Georgia. They haven't had any tough games. So, they haven't. They're now uh, they two got, and zero in the yeah, SEC. They got Florida coming up next, which is going to be probably their toughest game uh, this season, other than Georgia. And then they got South Carolina right after that, and even, even Tennessee. And they got Texas A and M at the last game of the season. So they have a lot of football to be played. They've now beat Vanderbilt and Georgia. Who's to say they won't beat Florida next week? And they beat uh, our troops, Indiana Hoosiers, as well. True. Truth. Which was a good game last yesterday. Uh, it was, you know, a lot of touchdowns. Indiana, Michigan State. Indiana kept it close kind of in the first half, but they let it slip. Once again, the defense, man, 
They need to fire the defensive coordinator. Their offense could put up some points. But the defense, they just, ah, they just let Michigan State rack up on them. But you're right, Missouri, they're tough, man. They're undefeated. They're, yeah. and, and in my mind, although they're ranked barely in the top 25, in a way, I'm sure you got to say they're, they're ahead of Louisville. Ah. They're not going to go undefeated, and that's really what matters at the end of the day. They're going to lose to Florida well, this you week know what? You or get, something well, like that. In a way, you bring up a good a good point. That's they're what's frustrating. And that's they, what's their, frustrating. Their schedule is tougher than Louisville's right now. With, Should they be ahead of Louisville? Oh yeah, they've they've played Vanderbilt and they've played Georgia. Georgia. So they, clearly, they have a tougher schedule than Louisville, and they are undefeated. And, and so why are and they I not use really? No, and I use no pushover. Yeah. No, I guess they're not a pushover. They're not. They, they, they couldn't points. handle the the the, the option. Yeah, but, they but a up, lot they of teams, kind of like fighting Bernard Hopkins, yeah. you go up against a team you're not prepared for, you're going to get smoked. I so. say if they beat Florida next week, uh, and then they take it back home to South, they'll be back be, be back home against South Carolina. They could possibly move up past Louisville in the rankings. I don't see why not. If they win the next two games, they would have to. I'm pretty sure the, uh, the little computer that generates all the the numbers the, the, for the rankings would put them ahead of Louisville based off the strength of schedule. I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmore Fort Lincoln buzz line, 502-384-1450, or shoot us a text on the Lotus Gunworks text line, 502-414-1450. Let us know, are you a Kentucky fan? If you are, what is your opinion of the Mark Stoops era thus far? It's his first year. I it's mean, his first it's year. you got to give yeah, him some first leniency. First year, give him a chance to get his players in. He can recruit. There's no doubt about that. Uh, give him a give him a chance next year to bring his players in. Then get Whitlow. He should have been playing him since the first game of the season. You know he, he did. Well, not really. He's playing the the Max kid. Yeah, but he played Whitlow the first they, game. They, they was doing that back and forth QB. They and were all that. And, but he should have stuck with them. The Whitlow's beginning. the playmaker. He, he You're right. Be, he will be in rhythm. He would have been in rhythm right now. And you know maybe we could have won some uh, some earlier uh, games early, earlier in the season. But right now Kentucky. I mean, what one win? It's not looking too good, man. I want to uh, remind our, our listeners, the reason that we're on the air, the weekend sports buzz, is thanks to Dugan Ryan and the great 1450 uh, station here, the only locally owned sports radio station in the city. But our, our, our title sponsor is Brandon Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Brandon J. Lawrence. J, J is, is for justice. J is for justice. Give him a call, 502-587-0041, to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, I believe. Adam, we have a guest. Who do we have on the line with us, Adam? We have Carolina Steve. How are you doing this morning, Carolina? A little bit tired. Didn't get back from Lexington last night until about 2.30. Big night of partying for Carolina. What did you think of Kentucky and their 0-0 score at the end of the first quarter? Did you actually think Kentucky had a chance at that point? They couldn't move the ball, but Alabama seemed determined to turn it over. Kelly, let me tell you something. I have been going to football. I'm 64 years old, and I have been going to football for many, many years. That is the best football team at Alabama I have ever seen in person in my life, and I've seen several national championship teams play and everything. And they just... It was a plain vanilla offense that they did. They had two running backs. It should have actually been two more touchdowns. They fumbled in the red zone twice. Uh, there's no and question just, about it, uh, Carolina. Alabama seems poised for a three-peat. Do you think that Mark Stoops and Kentucky – well, do you think Kentucky fans have any reason to be optimistic about the future in the Mark Stoops era? 
Yes, I do. I saw a lot of positives last night. It didn't help that Whitlow got hurt on the second series. Yeah, that Smith hurt cannot quarterback that offense. He just cannot. I, you know, he tries and he tries, but he, just, he doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the mobility in which to get by and everything. But I just look with what all Stoops has commitments for. And last night, the biggest recruiting target that they have was between them and Alabama, and he was at the game last night. Where in he blue? On a, excuse me? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Carolina. He was wearing blue, Matt Elam. Well, you know what he had on under the blue? <laughs> what? Crimson? He had on an Alabama shirt. Oh. Playing both That's sides. That's who it's down between. That's who it's down between. And I that now just to me that that shows that they are trying to get the people in there and everything. And I tell you what, I've seen Louisville play this year. To me, the score would have been the same thing against Louisville that it was against Kentucky. Because the simple reason I just don't see anybody uh Oregon might that that can do uh, they use a what I call a plain vanilla offense. And I tell you what, the more I look at it, the more I think that A.J. McCarron should be the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. He doesn't make mistakes. He does. Uh, he doesn't force things. He is. He is as good a quarterback as I've ever seen in person. And I've seen some good ones like Joe Montana and people like that I've seen play in person in college, and he is as good as I've ever seen. There's no question about it, Carolina. What we're seeing from Alabama right now is greatness. And there's always an element of every fan base that is attracted to dynasties. You know, I grew up an Indiana Pacers fan, but I'd be lying if I said when Michael Jordan was winning his two three-peats that I wasn't a Michael Jordan fan. I was. And I enjoyed watching greatness. And what we are seeing right now is a dynasty by Saban and this team. You're right. So AJ McCarron is great. Okay, well, we're talking about dynasties, and uh, well, I want to ask Carolina this question. Do you think Nick Saban will surpass Brad Bryant? If he keeps well, going at this in rate? My book, he, well, in my book, he never will because Brad Bryant is the reason. In 1961, my dad introduced me to Alabama football, and I have been a fan ever since, and I have been a Brad Bryant fan. Look at the people Bear Bryant has put in the pros. He put Joe Namath in there, the man who actually forced the merger between the AFL and the NFL and led the biggest upset in Super Bowl history with the uh, New York Jets. Broadway Joe. Yeah, and he has had such good... uh, I remember my first and probably my favorite player from Alabama was Leroy Jordan. Leroy Jordan. Remember the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, yeah not yeah. not that long ago. Yeah, and he, uh, like they said, like Paris said, if they kept him between the sidelines, he made the tackle, and he was good. And I would watch them. And look, look at the great coaches that was under Bear Bryant. Schnellenberger. Coach Schnellenberger. Yep. He was he was fantastic. Pat Dye with uh, one of his assistants and everything. And it's just, I tell you what, too. Last night, I was amazed by the fan base that they brought with them. They had probably just as many people in the stands as Kentucky had in the stands. 
That's impressive. And I, I am disappointed that Kentucky could not sell out that football game. There was, I was sitting on the Kentucky side, and I could look across, and there were there were seats up there that people should have been in, and could have I know that this would have been in uh, ACC country, and they would have come in to play like a Clemson or a Florida State or a Georgia Tech. That place would have been full. And I'm just so happy to see it. Like I said, this has been my bucket list, to see this team play in person and everything. Now my next on the bucket list with Alabama, I want to go to Tuscaloosa to the Bear Bryant Museum. I've actually been to the, been to the I've been to the Bear Bryant Museum, Carolina. I just want to know: Is it true they have a Bill Curry wing down there? <laughs> I did not see the Bill Curry wing, Carolina. It, it was years ago. I, I didn't did not see that. I think when you compare Saban to Bryant, what you got to look at is is Bear Bryant was the coach at Alabama from 1958 through 1982. He won his first national championship. In 1961, he won six, and he won his last national championship in 79. What that is is a sustained period of success. He won his first title three years into his tenure. He won his last title three years before he stopped coaching. So for a solid... You know, the difference between these two guys is Nick Saban done it at two different schools. That's true, and th- that's valuable in today's era of It's almost lack impossible of, to do. No one has ever done it but him. Longevity is, is uncommon these days. But what Bryant did was he made bear, he what Bryant did was he made Alabama great for a long time, and so there's really no substitute for that type of excellence. Even in years when they didn't win the national championship, they were always in the hunt. It's, right. it's good. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy Alabama. As a matter of fact, on my iPhone, I have the Alabama app where I can go to them and follow their uh, football and everything. And I that's one of the first scores I look at to to do it. I the only thing I don't like about going to the football games is on my iPhone I couldn't get scores last night. <laughs> Stadium. Yeah, you don't, you won't get a it. you won't get a signal in, in the game. It's the same same thing at Louisville Stadium. But hey, Carolina, we appreciate you calling in as always, and thanks for the update uh, on the Alabama Kentucky game. If you and if, hopefully since, I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, since you were there, uh, I'll meet y'all in person. Hey, hey, uh, uh, Carolina, the fight has been postponed. I'm sorry, I don't know if you caught that on the last hour. Unfortunately, it's been pushed back. So I we'll, did. We'll I get just you, woke we'll, up. We'll, we'll 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 keep you posted on the next one, and we'll definitely have a have a ticket for you. Okay, I appreciate it. I, I, y'all y'all got the best show going on the radio, and I look at the, uh, on the weekends. Y'all the only show I call into. So y'all have a good day. All right, thanks, Carolina. It means a lot, man. Appreciate it. It does. We, we got to go back to the buzz line, man. We got another caller on the line. Oxmoor Fort. Uh, well, I, I don't know what, what to call Carolina, <laughs> Alabama, Carolina. I don't know. He's confused. That's why I always say, lean not to your own understanding and always you acknowledge you and be a Hoosier fan. And then you won't be confused, Carolina. Wow. He's calling Carolina out on his Well, Kelly Patrick has two teams. You know, I'm not a two-team guy either, though. Uh, who, who, who are my two teams? I, I thought you had two teams. I could have uh, sworn you claimed two I, I college teams. I'm a Cards fan. You're a Cards fan? No other team? I was born on Ohio University's campus. So, I mean, I guess I go for the Bobcats in, in, on occasion. Uh, but, no, I don't have two I, teams. Oh, okay. Sorry. sorry. That's all right. I got, that's one, all right. I got one baseball team. That's the Yankees. My, uh, my 
hockey team is Pittsburgh Penguins, and my NBA team is the Lakers. Oh. And my all, co- all college sports is Indiana, and my football team is the great Steelers. Wow. Truth, you did pick maybe the greatest franchises in NFL, NBA, MLB, MLB, and NHL, right? So I guess you picked some good franchises to, to pull for there, well, right? See, my granddaddy, my granddaddy was a big Yankees fan so and an Indiana fan, so I just thought whatever my granddaddy liked, that's what. And I just picked the pick, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins because they're Pittsburgh Steelers. That's why I picked Pittsburgh but, Penguins. Truth, let's get down to the bottom line. Yesterday, Michigan State, Indiana. What is going on with you all's defense, man? I, listen, I'm going to tell you. You know, I, I'm the truth. You know I keep it real with you. Ten out of 14 on third down couldn't get off the field. You're not going to beat nobody when you can't stop people on third down. But you guys were scoring points. But, listen, 10 out of 14, you gave up 230 yards, and you gave up 250 yards passing. They had a better – they won the time on the clock. So, if your offense sitting over there – and they outscoring you. You're not gonna beat nobody. So, so what's it, what's what's are you gonna do? Well, well, we we just gotta win. I don't defense will win championship, not offense. So they gonna have to figure yeah, something hey. out. I mean, I like the offense. I like the little kid win, little five seven receiver. I really like him. He's quick, I like him fast. Too, I think he's in the field too. Well, we need we need about three guys off a of little defense and uh, put them on our defense. We'll win the national championship. <laughs> Any team in the country would say that Louisville is stacked on defense. I think they're the best defensive team I've ever seen play this year. I don't care who you play. I, I, don't know I mean, that. I'm gonna tell you what you look at. You watch Alabama and you watch Louisville tackle, and the players at Louisville they are fundamental to tackle in the right way. And when they you, when they tackle you, you know you well, you know you've been tackled. I'm, and I, I'm I look, loving me some truth this morning. Hey, but you know I'm the, I'm the, I'm I'm I like Indiana, but I like sports. And the real thing is, right now, Louisville got defense is solid. You know they can they can stop the run, they can stop them. And then people say, well, who they play? Well, SEC uh, uh, supposed to be having a great player. Look how many points. Uh, I like to see Texas A and M. And uh, Louisville play in the bowl game. That'd be an interesting thing. They will hurt Johnny uh, Chump. They'll hurt Johnny Chump. I don't like Johnny. Hey, do you know what the two more days is? In two more days? No, I didn't. What is it? Tuesday. College basketball. Oh, yeah. New Indiana. Yeah. Indiana, look. And, you know, I'm going to leave y'all with this. I don't like to get sassy. I don't like to get nasty because <laughs> here come my Hoosiers. If you if anybody asks you what's going on, it's the the truth in the new look young Hoosier gonna win the national championship, and that's why I'm talking sassy. But I can get nasty, UK. Hi, I'll holler at you later. <laughs> All right, thanks, Truth. Well, you know, hey, Truth is on fire this Truth, morning. He made the same prediction with college football. Said IU was going to the championship this year, but you know, I think the basketball may be a little bit more realistic. Always, uh, but you know we'll see. You know I like I I like IU. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Tom Crean fan. I like the who's. I'm a big Bob Knight fan. So I, I always like to see IU live well. I'm an IU resident. No uh, no rest. They're not, actually, they're, they're not my team, but I like to see them do well. I actually graduated from Indiana University Southeast. So not only am I technically an Indiana University graduate, 
I graduated from a university that has the best mascot in all of the world, the Grenadiers. Oh, okay. I mean, could you think of something cooler than a big, strong guy who specializes in, in throwing grenades at his opponents? What's cooler than that? Nothing. Truth did bring up a good point. <laughs> it is basketball season. I went to the Louisville Red White scrimmage How was yesterday. What's, I was, what's the update? I saw uh, I saw Patino on the sidelines in a nice suit. Those Who's are the ball guy on the bench. Is that a new assistant coach? The bald guy. Yeah. Um. He probably yeah. What, what, what's he look like? Uh, he had a bald guy with a suit on. I don't know. I didn't see. I don't remember seeing him. Black guy. Actually. White guy. Uh, black guy. I think that's Gray, the Spalding head coach. His son. Uh, last name is Gray. That that would okay, be his okay. his his uh, his his son. There was Wayne Turner was out there. There's a lot of always a rotating door with Patino's staff. There. I mean, the team is stacked this year. I mean, they they only lost a couple of players. I mean, they and they have the one of the worst schedules in college basketball. They I mean, do there's have no a weak reason schedule. no reason for them to. I mean, they should be in this discussion for a repeat. I took some interesting. Th- what what intrigued me about yesterday's scrimmage was the future guard combo. Of Chris Jones and Terry Rozier. Chris Jones was the MVP of the game. They say Rozier is tough. But does he have the intellect on the court to make the right plays? Why do you say that? Because he struggled with his grades in high school? I'm just saying it translates on the court when, when you're trying to, you know, break down coverages and <laughs> I'm talking Maybe. football terms. But, yeah, I mean, you have, to have, you have to be smart on the court. Yeah, well, we'll see. He looked plenty intelligent on the floor to me last night. As he actually sealed the game with a, a last-second steal and tomahawk dunk, um, I was very impressed with the team. So Everybody it, can knows him what, and Russ share the ball together. You know, this is Russ's team. It's a good question. Yeah, I guess we. Uh, I think the starting lineup will be Chris Jones at the point, who I compared him to Tim Hardaway, senior. My dad, who I was there with, compared him to World Be Free. He has a jump shot where he he gets up in the air and, and lets it go, and it's a a thing of beauty. He was nailing three pointers. Chris Jones, the junior college player of the year. Let me tell you, is Rick Patino going to let them play? How about that? He, I think so. he, he doesn't let freshmen really get a lot of clock to start out. Chris Jones isn't a, a freshman. Well, I'm though. talking about Rozier. Rozier is different than normal freshman. He he <laughs> he played a year of um, JUCO of uh, not JUCO, but he went of, to some uh, military prep school. Prep school. Yeah, yeah, he went to Hargrave Military Academy to get his grades right. To get his grades right, like John Wall did. Let's not forget about that. It's different. Is but we'll be right he's back. A cat? We'll he's go a into cat? a quick okay. commercial break. The Weekend Sports Buzz. Tune into The Weekend Sports Buzz every Saturday morning from 9 until 11 with Mike Gandolfo and Haven Harrington. And every Sunday morning from 10 until noon with myself, Kelly Patrick, and Carlo Kellum right here on 1450 AM for the best weekend sports talk in the Kentuckiana region. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. And welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz with your host, Kelly Patrick. I am Carlo Kellum. Don't forget about the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-304-1450. And the Lotus Guns Works text line, 502-414-1450. You know, I had the pleasure of uh, uh, taking pictures at the Thursday night's game for Rutgers versus Louisville. And someone, who was it, Truth, uh, Carolina made the comment on how tough their defense is. I think it was Truth. 
let me tell you, man, being there on the sideline of the game, hearing those hits, it, it, I mean, it's it, it makes your body cringe. These the, the defense is very good for Louisville. As you know, they had, what, eight sacks, and it was like six missed opportunities they could have had on sacks. But their defense is the real deal against a, a tough Rutgers team. I was impressed. You know, um, earlier I asked the question of our Kentucky football fans to call us in the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 384-1450. Let us know if you are discouraged or optimistic at this point of the Mark Stoops era. I'm going to ask our, our Louisville fans to comment on my next um, statement, really, is Bobby Petrino built an exciting offense, and Louisville won the 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 Orange Bowl, and they had this great team, and everybody was happy. They brought him, he brought them to heights they'd never been to. And there are still people who contest that Bobby Petrino's offense would be better, not as predictable as Charlie Strong's and Sean Watson's. These Sean guys. Watson's a terrible offense, of course. Yeah, very. Uh, he he's went under fire. A lot of criticism headed Sean Watson's way for his offensive play calling. But I will contest that what Charlie Strong is doing at Louisville is not building a Bobby Petrino-type offense. He is building a defense, which is going to be the foundation of a possibly a true national, I won't say powerhouse. If but he comes back next year. If he comes back. If we lose him, it may all go to the, the wayside. But what Charlie Strong is doing is better than what Bobby Petrino ever did. And the reason for that is he's building a true defense. He's building depth on the defensive line. We have pass rushers and playmakers all across the defense, and that is how you build a year-in, year-out contender. Yeah, so I'll take rushing, Charlie Strong over Bobby Petrine every every year. Yeah, they were rushing for pretty much the whole game and getting to Nova, Nova uh, the Rutgers quarterback. I mean, they, the pressure was unbelievable. The key, he couldn't do anything. He, I mean, he only had like one, two seconds to throw the ball. You know, every time he, he was under center. Rutgers isn't that good. I mean, well, they, Rutgers is pretty good. I mean, they, they, they lost to Fresno State, who's a good team. They beat They're Arkansas. undefeated. I mean, they, there was their, that, one, there was their only loss up until that point. They weren't they weren't they weren't too bad. Nova's a pretty decent quarterback. You're right. That's what I what I meant is they're not ranked, but they're they're not complete bums. They're good for the American. Yeah, they're <laughs> relatively not that bad. The they're one Conference. of the better teams Louisville will play this season. But other than UK, it's probably the toughest team that they have they had left on their on their uh their schedule. And what did they give up? Ten points. Yeah, they gave up. It was, it was a to nineteen. Kentucky. It was a nineteen point spread, which I thought was. Too wide. I can't believe they had them uh, by 19. But I they almost too. they almost had it. They had an opportunity to beat the point spread, but they uh, didn't score at the end of the game and gave it back to Rutgers. But they had the opportunity to beat the point spread. Rutgers was 4-1 and one going into that game. They're headed to the, the Big Ten. I mean, they're, they, they are a program that cares about football. They, they aren't complete bums. No, they're but, a football school. But my hypotheses, or call it what you will, is that Charlie Strong is building a true defense that has depth at every position and has athleticism and playmaker ability, and I'll take that any day over a team that relies solely on its offense like Petrino's teams did. Give us a call, 384-1450. Let me know if you agree with me that Charlie Strong is building something way better than anything Petrino ever did. I believe it more and more. The more I see this defense, Charlie is doing it the right way, the way that Teams like Texas and 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 you know Alabama, similar in that type of mold, and Florida, clearly Florida, he's building it that way. Yeah, I like to see more offense. I mean, Sean, you have all that talent on offense. You have all that speed. You have a you know top quarterback. Open the offense. Do some trick plays. Do something exciting. Air it out a little bit more. They don't do. It's a basic. It's basic offense that they run. Sean Watson is a boring offensive coordinator. So is Nick it, Saban's it, offensive coordinator. 
you see some big plays from uh you see them throw it down the field. You see Teddy throw, throw, it, down throw it down the field, field too, though. but not not as much. Not as much. Yeah. Do some reverses. Do something fun. Let's compare their numbers. AJ McCarron's numbers on the year. But Sean Watson, I mean, they you know they have that. If if Petrino had this offense, oh my goodness. Oh, I know. They, they would be I, doing so no, much right now. There's no question about it. But with the running backs you have, also who can catch out the backfield, oh man, they, Petrino would have a field day with this offense. He would, and it would be very entertaining to watch. Does it mean that the team would be better though? And the program's heading in a better direction. A.J. McCarron has 1,407 yards, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. Teddy Bridgewater has 1,872, 18, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. Obviously, they played a completely different level of One of those interceptions of was in the game against Rutgers. It was. Yeah. And he, he turned the ball over twice the game. He had a fumble when he was blind, hit from behind. He didn't play his best game. Through, uh, had a missed, uh, a missed, uh, I think, a missed touchdown, a couple missed passes. Uh, he was rattled a little bit this game against Rutgers. Just a little bit, but his numbers are still impressive. He still had 166.6 quarterback rating. Second worst quarterback rating of the season for Teddy against Kentucky. He was 143.9. No Devontae Parker this game. That matters, man. You look at their red zone offense, you take away their their touchdown machine, yeah, Dante, De- Devontae Parker. Yeah. And De La Cruz and, went down with a hamstring injury. I'm not sure the status of him from this week's game, but... Uh, he did leave the game, but yeah. So they're hurting. They're hurting at the right receiver position, but they have depth at the wide receiver position. They so do. They're really not missing anything. They've even not got- saying they're not missing anything, but they have guys who can step up. And- Let me tell you, man. I was on the sideline of the game and ran That's- into uh, Deion Branch. Wow. I never really seen seen him in person before. Little guy. When I first, I was like, man, who's this little old man walking around? And everybody's taking pictures of him. <laughs> he's like this little old man. He looked like he's about five, 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 six, man. He looked five, real little. Five, five, six. And I was like, that's Deion Branch? Super Bowl yeah, MVP. That's Super Bowl. I was like, I was, I was shocked. Looks like deceiving. <laughs> but he was at the game on the sideline rooting the cards. Tom Brady loves that guy. Yeah, he was a cool guy, man. Cool guy. But I, I just didn't know who he was. I, you know, I really never paid attention to him without a helmet on. He does have the build of a, and I think he actually is a marathon runner. Oh, is he? Yeah. So, I, I thought mean, he, he was like some 40, 50 year old man walking around on the sideline. <laughs> Somebody's dad. I didn't know who he was. You don't think he's <laughs> aged very well? Is what it, is what this has come to? Yeah, but like I said, he was a cool guy, man. He's you know taking pictures of everybody. Very nice guy. I did just receive a text on the Lotus Gunworks text line from our man Matt, who said, "I don't know exactly which Matt this was, um, but he said." that Teddy Bridgewater had two interceptions against Rutgers. I want to correct Matt. Teddy Bridgewater only had one interception against Rutgers. Don't try to dilute the, the facts, Matt. He did fumble it. Yeah, he fumbled. He had a fumble yeah, it was and an one, interception. Yeah, one interception. Uh, there was, the interception came at the end of the second uh, quarter. Going into the halftime, he had an opportunity to score a touchdown. He threw an interception. Fumble came, uh, I think, late in the third quarter. Teddy had his second worst game of the year. He still had 310 yards passing. But the the running huh? game, 13 carries by Perry, 104 yards. Uh, Michael Dyer's kind of been disappointed. Know, where's he been? He's all talking, this hype. All I, this hype about Dyer. Where, where, is, where is he? I was talking to my buddy about that. He was saying, um, and he I was seven, agreeing. He, had, he got the ball. He had seven carries. He was the, the MVP of the national championship game, I believe, when he was there with Cam Newton. Yeah. Uh, possibly viewed as a first-round pick for a running back, which – if you're a running back and you're picked in the first round, that's a big deal. Um, through our conversation a few days ago during the game, we came to the conclusion he hasn't played football in a couple years. Michael Dyer must not well, be. No, he played at some Juco college, like Arkansas, okay. uh, Panville. I don't know what it was called. Whatever some, some it is, school. he must yeah. not 
be in the type of shape that he should be in. Because you're right. He looks well, like well, a disappointment. Er, the first game so much his, hype. The first game against the season against the high school team you played, he had, what, a 50-yard run, 60-yard, 42-yard run, something like that? He broke it open on the first he game did, of the yeah. season. Yeah. I mean, he, he he looked pretty explosive against that team, but he hasn't did anything the last few games. I mean, you are you are deep at you are deep at the running back position. You got Perry. He's he has to get his carries first. You got Brown, but uh, I, I guess he has to wait this turn. I don't know. Is he the best running back on the team? Doesn't look like it so far this year, but it sure is nice to have a healthy competition, different yeah. styles coming out of the backfield. I like it. I mean, I'm uh, overall. Still very happy that Dyer is on the team. We know he is good. Has he shown it as much as we expected? No, maybe probably not. It, maybe he showed it in the bowl game if you guys make it. Exactly. Uh, he has Devontae, a good track record in bowls. Devontae Parker was on pace to break Abin Green's single season touchdown record. Uh, I think Abin was at 31, 30 or 31. So with him being hurt, that pretty much squashes that, right? He's at 20 right now, I believe. But he's a junior. But you, you think he'll do it next year? Single season? What's the what's the? No, it's not single season. It's total touchdowns. It's total, I take it total touchdowns. Excuse yeah. me. Career touchdowns. I don't think he's coming back after this year. Why would you? Because he still has plenty to work. I don't. I don't think Devontae Parker's gone. You don't think so? A lot of people have said that he is. Give I mean, us a call. Three eight four fourteen fifty. Is Devontae Parker going to put his name in the NFL? I mean, draft? look at Jadavian Clowney. I mean, guys, he's hurt right now. Why would he come back and risk injury again? I love Devontae Parker. I love his red zone touchdown scoring. Ability and, and uh, what he brings to the field, yeah. but I, I I can't deny that he has plenty to work on. And as a wide receiver, I mean, what what round would he be drafted in this year? Fifth? I think sooner than that. That's not a lot of stud receivers out there. He's one of the top receivers, top five receivers in college football. I think overall, okay. Yeah. He's great. I like him a lot. All he does is catch touchdowns. That means a lot in the NFL. He's not a possession receiver, but he can catch some touchdowns. But does that always translate? Uh, I think he'll be a good NFL uh, wide receiver. And I think he'll actually uh, – I think that will translate to the next level for him. I think he's a talent. I'm a big Devontae Parker fan. I, and I'm not I'm even pretty... a fan. Honestly, I can care less, but I think he's a talent. Texas, Oklahoma yesterday, man. What Mac happened? Brown what? saved his job. Yeah, well, Maybe. I mean, he's still a lot of football to be played, but uh, I was rooting for Oklahoma. I actually had Oklahoma winning that game. I thought Stoops was back, but he seemed uh, – I don't know what happened, man. They should have won that game. There's no way they should have let Texas beat him, not with the season that Texas is having. But, yeah, I guess Matt Brown did save his job, and they're not going to be talking about Charlie Strong going to Texas now, not, not, not at least uh, he loses again. Yeah, they say Matt Brown saved his job, but, you know, he's still hovering in – Kind of mediocrity, which is not really what Texas fans and their boosters want. Nah, two losses, that's too many for Texas. Too many. But, uh, yeah, I was disappointed in Oklahoma's performance. I thought Oklahoma was back this year, man. Florida LSU, that was a low-scoring game. I thought those two would put up uh, more points than what they did. 17-6, to six, you know, LSU gets the big win That's the, at the- home. Florida's second loss of the season. That's what Florida is, is a defensive team. And, you know, LSU has that type of talent on the defensive side of the ball also. Um, SEC has, you know, always has some great athletes on on defense from their recruiting bases in the South specifically. So there's no, um, no question that they always have very intense defensive battles. We're going to head to a break here. We'll be back with more Weekend Sports Buzz. 
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I want to encourage our listeners, give us a call. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. We are going to head to the Buzz Line. We have a caller right now who I am guessing has a reaction to the statement earlier that Louisville has the best defense in the country. We have Hink on the line. How are you doing this morning, Hink? Well, what's going on, fellas? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for calling in. Oh, it's always good. It's always good. I know y'all, especially you, Kelly. You hate hearing my voice. <laughs> no, I love like your voice, Mufasa. Hink. He, he feared me like I was Mufasa. Like <laughs> you hyenas. But that's okay. That's okay. Let me let me let me say this. First of all, Charlie Strong is not the best coach that you ever have. Charlie Strong has never outright won a big East. Never outright won it. He has a shirt. He shared it twice. Else. He's he right about that. Last year, he had a shirt year before. Bobby Trino's never shared anything when he won the big East. He outright won it. So you know, so the sit there say, well, he's a better coach, done better things. Let Bobby have Teddy. You would have a problem with offense. You would have a, a problem with you struggling, and this is supposed to be your best football team you ever put together, defense and offense, yet you struggle week in, week out. You can't cover a spread if your life depended on it. And you talk about you got the best defense. <laughs> you got the best team against some top competition. I mean, you talk about, well, Rutgers is good. Dude, Rutgers struggled. Rutgers struggled against a second-string quarterback and had a comeback against Arkansas. And you see what happened to Arkansas last night. Arkansas got the break speed off about South Carolina with a with 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 a, a Genevian kind of with busted ribs, and I don't care attitude. I play if I want to play. And you talking about y'all? Stop it! You're fooling yourself. You're drinking some type of something other than Kool Aid. I mean, it might be some of that uh, uh some of that num num juice you're sipping on. I mean, because y'all y'all not like that. I'm, I'm telling you, not like that. Y'all might lose against Houston. You might lose against Central Florida. So Charlie Strong once again. Can't outright win your conference. Are y'all going to fire the man? Are y'all going to be looking for another head coach? Are y'all still going to be calling him the greatest? only reason why y'all don't want to give Bobby no credit because he left you like a, like a, like a bride at the, at the, at the altar. That's, that's the reason why you don't give Bobby no credit. I mean, credit is what credit do. You see what Bobby did when he went to Arkansas. The guy's a coach. Now, Charlie Strong's eventually going to leave. You and I both know that. He's going to eventually leave. He's not going to be able to stay low forever. Where is he going to go? And his next job, is he going to be as successful? Is he going to be as successful as he was at this current, you know, at this current job? It's obvious. Soon as Bobby, I mean, soon as Bobby left, Arkansas went down. They went 2-10. and 2-10. and 10. I mean, it's just obvious. Soon as he left Louisville, Louisville went down from 6-6 six six to 5-7 and seven to 4-7. and seven, I mean, to 5-7 and seven again. So y'all had a fire uh, uh, crack door, uh, Tom George's love mate. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Are you going to sit there and you don't want to give that man no credit? You're going to take this credit and try to give it to Charlie? Yeah, Charlie's doing some good things for you. He's getting you some good players, isn't he? But he ain't outright winning you nothing. He might not be outright winning the, the weakest conference you ever been in. Uh, Charlie Strong has never had to face a, a, a Rich Rodriguez-type uh, West Virginia. He 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 played against, uh, what's that guy's name at West Virginia now? Remember uh, the, 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 the one that got into a altercation with the uh, current coach and they end up getting fired because yeah. started making some jealous rumors. He he went against this guy. Then he go against Rodriguez's uh 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 uh, uh 
uh, West Virginia. He didn't go against uh, Cincinnati's Brian Kelly. He went against his Bush Jones, some old second-string ass-fin wannabe. He didn't go against Brian Kelly, two-time Big East champion. He didn't go against him. Bob Trino went with the, with the best what the, the, the Big East had to offer, and he beat them all. He beat them. Charlie can't say that. Charlie couldn't beat Syracuse with a sorry coach that was a retread about three different uh, schools and a couple pro teams. He couldn't beat him out, outright. He couldn't beat Connecticut. Connecticut's traveling in football, has never won anything in football. I mean, they went to a BCS game, a bowl game, and they couldn't even win it. They couldn't even sell all their tickets. They had to lose about a million dollars to even try to get them there. They just paying people to come, like you, Louisville used to be back at the old uh, uh, Cardinal Stadium. So they sit there and sit there and uh, downgrade this man uh, and hey, water man, down this man's uh, accomplishment. I don't understand. I, feel like I give I... the man all respect, too. I respect the man. I told, I tell the little thing that he's the best coach. I don't care, Boyd, Howard Snuggler, John L, all of them. Bobby's the best I ever had, and he still will be. He got you to that first BCS ball. He got you that first taste. You would have never had. You would never know what it felt like without that man. Hank, I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so, he... I mean, look at the offense he put there. Look at the scores he put there. Uh, y'all, 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 the only way y'all gonna run a score up against a a, a, a a team is a non BCS team. Like Eastern Kentucky. Bobby would have did that and one of these BCS teams. He don't care. I mean, that's the way it, it is. He, he played the best of the best and he was successful. He went to the strongest conference and he was successful. He played, he beat the best out of the Big Ten in Ohio State. They had to cheat to get it because they had some ineligible players. But hey, it's what it is, what it is. And you're going to downgrade that man? Come on, Kelly. I know you I know you love Charlie like you love Rick Patino. You drank both of that bath water. I understand that, but damn. Give that man his cups. And don't sit there and say they're the best defense, man. Subpar competition. They're, and you're going to look good. You're supposed to be good. You're the tallest midget in the room. And you're you, you, you on right Hink, Hink, Louisville's defense is good. I agree with you. Bobby Petrino is a great coach. If we were to lose Charlie Strong, I'd actually be open to Bobby Petrino coming back. I don't deny. Bobby Petrino is great. My point was is what Bobby Petru- I'm sorry, what Charlie Strong is building at Louisville is based around defense. And that is what traditional powerhouse programs do. It's different. Rich Rodriguez, we saw how that worked out at at, at, Michigan. at Michigan. That doesn't work. If you're trying to build a true powerhouse that has staying power and is not reliant on someone like a Brian Brommer, a, a Teddy Bridgewater even, you build it through depth on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what Charlie Strong is doing. I'm right there with you, Hank. Actually, Bobby Petrino is a great coach, and like I said, if we lose Charlie Strong, I'm open to him coming back. I want to ask you, what do you think of Kentucky's game against Alabama yesterday, Truth? Or, I'm sorry, Hank? Truth. I mean, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> but that ain't my name. Stop it. You know my name. What do you think of Kentucky's game yesterday, Hank? You, you know my name. Like Walter White said, what's my name? Say my name, Kelly. Then I tell you what I think. Hink, what do you think of Kentucky That's getting smoked by Alabama? I'm gonna tell you what I think. I'm gonna tell you what I think. All right. I, I think it, I think it was an old fashioned butt kick is what they got. Alabama just shows their muscle. I mean, what, what else do you even say? Kentucky took one on the chin because they're not as good as Alabama. I mean, Kentucky's got some time. They got some time. They're gonna need some time. The coach gonna need some time. They're gonna need to get some players in there. And it's obvious. Joker Joker has left us with a. With, with a Bearcat, a cupboard. I mean, it's, it's obvious. You you see it. You see it. I mean, you see it every so, I'm sure you see it every day. Every day you see talking about this man that's frustrated how they play because he's not got the players he wants. 
They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to win. He's got to get that winning mentality. You know, Bruce Brooks had it there for a minute, but it, it, it was a, it was okay. But this man is trying to take it to a whole new level, trying to see him, trying to help them see the big picture. And I think sometimes I think the players are scared because they don't know how to how to deal with it because they never had, they haven't had opportunity. Hey, now cool. that you know they got this guy that's trying to push for them to, to to look at the big picture and try to win and beat these big teams, and not just compete with them to beat them. Hey. Not just to hang with them, not just to cover the spread, not just to be in a ballpark, but to beat them. And that's what this man wants. I'm all for it. I think he's going to be good. I just think it's going to take a couple of years. But I look forward to seeing it in a couple of years and see where they at. I mean, it, I, I, think it's going to, I, think, I think he's going to do a good job. I mean, like I said, Alabama's number one team. There's a reason why they're number one. They show why they're number one. I mean, you hear all these critics talk about, I don't know. Take, say what you want. He's a two-time champion. Two-time. This ain't college basketball where you can take a couple of loves and still go to the tournament and win it. No. You pretty much got to go undefeated. And if you don't, if you lose one more than one game, you ain't going to make it. This man's lost two games in three years. Two games in three years. How many coaches can say that? How many coaches can say they went to two different programs and won a title where they had to honor the man at the halftime of the Florida game and his players are uh, 10 years out of work? Not many. I mean, as a guy's a good coach, and we got to beat by a good coach, we got to beat by a great team. Hey, I, I look forward to seeing Kentucky do great things. Hey, Charlie Strong's all right, but he ain't real. Uh, Teddy's gone, so I know y'all going to be mad. Say what you want. Devontae Parker stay if he wants to. He's not going to get that average green stack for touchdowns, career touchdowns. He might as well forget it because once uh, uh, Teddy's gone, Louisville might be gone. Y'all suck later, baby. <laughs> hey, man, I feel like I just went to a sports sermon, man. He was preaching. He was good, preaching. Good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> But he's right, man. I, I grew up around the corner for Abin Green. I want the uh, I want that touchdown uh, record to stay in my neighborhood, man. Both local guys. None of their local communities are, are go wrong if if Parker breaks it. If Ivan Green holds on, Ivan Green holds on to it. Well, since he's from my neighborhood, I'd rather for the same no, neighborhood. I, I yeah. understand certainly. <laughs> I actually do want to thank Hink for calling in, representing Big Blue Nation, uh, and obviously his passionate rant there. We're gonna hit a break. Carlo and I will be back with more. Weekend Sports Buzz. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz. Give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Nice hey, welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz with your host, Kelly Patrick. I'm Carlo Kellum. I love that music, by the way. Uh, we... Talking college football, it is Sunday, the last hour of the show, NFL. Uh, tragic story over the weekend with Adrian Peterson. Uh, I don't know, I know you heard about it, Kelly, losing his son uh, to a domestic uh, violence dis- uh, issue with, I guess, his girlfriend's boyfriend. Despicable, disgusting act. Uh, like I said, the things that I would like, like done to that guy, I can't say on the air. Yeah. But uh, I have a four-year-old. No, and a I'll say son. I think he should, deserves to be put to death. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – I mean, that's horrible to say, but if he was strung out on crack or, or whatever type of drug, obviously must have been drug-induced. Why do you beat a two – I don't know. That's the worst topic ever, actually. Yeah, I, I know, but <laughs> it happened. It, it happened. It's happened, relevant. And, it, and it's a, not saying it's a story, but Adrian Peterson is still going to play today. Yeah. You know, he did an interview yesterday. He said, you know, he's, you know this is his outlet, you know. He's gonna get out there and still play. I didn't know this, but he had just met him for the first time when he was in ICU. Oh, so he had never met him before. Wow! And he had his last name, I think. Yeah, uh, I think recently he was just made aware that you know he was the father of the the child and was making plans to go out and visit him in South Dakota. 
So I, I, I know that probably has to hurt him even more, you know, just on top of what happened. So thoughts and prayers after Adrian Peterson. Uh, he is going to play today, which is, I find, admire, I mean, it's remarkable that he's going to step out there. Yeah, everybody. I, mean, I, I couldn't do it. Everybody grieves differently. Yeah. You know, every situation is a little bit different. Um, but that's a horrible tragedy that um, ha- has really taken on the, the Twitter world and the, the sports media. Yeah, a lot of people speaking out on Twitter. LeBron James sent his condolences. You know, a lot, a lot of people have said, you know, you know, sent thoughts and prayers out to, of course, Adrian Peterson. And the, they, the, were posting, time. they were posting pictures of Adrian Peterson hugging and kissing his son, Adrian Peterson Jr., who actually lives with them on the field. So they were tweeting pictures of that suggesting kind of that that was the one who passed away. It really wasn't. Adrian Peterson had to release some statements saying, you know, Adrian Peterson Jr. is healthy, lives with me still. Please, you know, I I politely or I I, um, I request that you guys discontinue tweeting pictures of the wrong kid. So, I mean, just a really messy story. Yeah, Carolina's at Minnesota. I mean, what, what type of response do you think Adrian Peterson gets when he, when he walks out on the field? I'm, I'm pretty sure... The fans will, you know, they're, they're going to embrace him when he comes out there, I'm sure. I wonder, uh, I, I mean, he's going to take out a lot of anger on the field today against this Carolina team. So what, 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 do you think he's going to perform at a high level tonight? Oh, yeah. I, I think so. He's playing against the Panthers, who actually has a, they have a good defense. Um, they're, Charles Johnson, they've got a good pass rush. They've actually got some good defensive Interior defensive linemen, I think Dwan Edwards, a couple high draft picks over the past couple years. So the Panthers, uh, they're missing John Beeson, who is the linebacker out of Miami, who is the core of their defense. But they still have one of the better top ten defenses last year in in the in the uh, in the NFL. So this Panthers defense is no pushover, but Adrian Peterson is the best running back in the NFL and of this era. He's the only running back in the NFL. He really He's is. the only true running back in the NFL, if you look at it right now. He's, I mean, look at all the teams. It's really a passing league. It is. You know, the running backs will get less and less carries. I think the other, probably true running back, I think, would be Frank Gore. This is a, I'm talking about a ground and pound type of running back. That's fair. Uh, I think Matt, is, uh, who's starting tonight? Is it Matt Castle? Is he getting the start or is Christopher Pronto coming back? I think it's Matt Castle. So Matt Castle will be under center for the Minnesota Vikings tonight. So, uh, be interested to see when they're going to put uh, Jeff Freeman in, uh, Josh Freeman in there. How many weeks do we have to wait before he makes his debut in a, in a, on, in a, on the field for the Vikings? I think that he'll be the guy that's going to turn the, help turn the franchise around along with Adrian Peterson moving forward. I really like Josh Freeman. I think he got a bum deal out in Tampa Bay. That's fair. I mean, Josh Freeman did put up good numbers. He looked like a future very good quarterback. The Vikings are one and three. I was talking to my brother-in-law. You know, my wife's family is all big Vikings fans. And I was talking to my brother-in-law about the Vikings and the Josh Freeman and the we we turned it turned into a discussion of the history or the the recent history of Minnesota Vikings quarterbacks. Okay, well we got Dante Culpepper, Donovan McNabb, Brett Favre, Brett Favre, okay. Gus Farratt multiple times. Well, that was before Dante Culpepper. Sage Red, was Rosen after Falls, Randall, I Gus Farratt was after Randall Cunningham, right? He was. was yeah. Yeah. But but I think he made a couple steps there uh stops. With the Vikings, very the the Vikings franchise has really struggled to find their identity with the quarterback position. We got plenty of time to talk about the rest of the NFL for the day, which Carlo and I, you know, that's kind of at this time of the year, maybe one of our fortes. We will certainly jump into all the games. Right now, we're going to hop to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. My favorite. 
Well, we got our man Brian the Insider. How you doing this morning, Brian? And what's going on in the world of horse racing? Good morning, guys. Uh, wow, I tell you, Keeneland's meet is off to a great start. Record crowds. Uh, for almost 32,000 yesterday, about 22,000, 23,000 on Friday. Uh, they're open today. But the big news in the horse racing world is the success of uh, Kentucky-based owner Ken and Sarah Ramsey. Their sire, Kitten's Joy, is just on fire. I mean, everything that this horse is breeding to is a winner. He has now won. He won the big race over the Queen Elizabeth Cup run yesterday at Keeneland uh, with another Kitten's Joy. And they have now seven starters for the Breeders' Cup, which is the first Saturday in November at Santa Anita Park. But, boy, I tell you what, he is sitting on a gold mine. They said he was offered... $20 $20 million for a 49% stake in the horse. And he said, look, he's, he doesn't have any interest in that. He said his stud fee is going to be at least 100000 per live foal. He figures he can breed Kitten's Joy to at least 100 mares a year. So that's $10 million in one year. But, I mean, what a success story coming out of uh, Ken Ramsey's barn. Kitten's Joy is on fire as a sire. What is the next big horse racing event that, that fans of the, the racing um, and the, the, the thoroughbred racing can look forward to, Brian? I would say that every, all eyes are pointed towards the Breeders' Cup. All the prep races are over. Just two all weeks away. All the winning are in. Is it two weeks away? Uh, three weeks. Three, three weeks from yesterday uh, will be the Breeders' Cup, and that is going to be uh, obviously the biggest uh, day of the year and all eyes are pointing to that right now so that is really where we're at with horse racing but don't forget keeneland runs for a uh, couple more weeks and then we go back churchill will open the month of november for their traditional fall meet uh they had a very successful while by all accounts the the new september meet was very successful and churchill has committed to doing that again next year for those of you remembered, uh, called in quite a few times, and you know they they did a, a, a doubles where you could go to the Louisville football game and then walk right over to the track in September. So that was deemed a success. They're going to do it again next year in September. Uh, but uh, Keeneland will be open for another couple weeks, and then uh, it goes right to Churchill, and Churchill will be open uh, and simulcasting actually when they run the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita. But uh, big day, big day yesterday at Keeneland for the Ramses, and the Keeneland is really doing very, very well. Big crowds, big uh, purse monies, and uh, everything's going great at Keeneland. So is, uh, so in November, Churchill Downs going to resume the Downs after dark? Yeah, they're going to have one meet. They're going to have one Downs, at the dawn, uh, downs after dark uh, racing day, probably because the weather starts to change a little bit. They're only going to do one, uh, but they're going to be open for the month of November. So most of the days are going to be their traditional uh, probably 12.45, 1 o'clock post time, but they are going to hold one uh, night racing card. And uh, if they're looking forward to a real big meet, and then, of course, you know, the, the November meet at Churchill is always uh, uh, exciting because they run the two-year-olds who are going to be next year's Oaks and Derby horses. So, uh, you know, and that's starting to shape up. The, the point system for Churchill Downs, to get into the Oaks and Derby, that's in full steam, and uh, we'll see some really nice races uh, in November for the two-year-olds, soon-to-be three-year-old and dirty horses. Brian, November 16th is after the dark. We all need to get together and make it out to that race. Get dressed up, go out, have some fun. 
try to be great. I, I'll take you up on that. That's uh, that's always a fun card. It's it's bringing a lot of new younger uh, patrons out to racing. Uh, I checked the uh, the wagering. They're not wagering as much, uh, but uh, they are buying drinks and buying uh, food, and that's very profitable for Churchill. So by all accounts, Churchill, which was really a crapshoot first time in the history of the track they opened for a september meet uh, they took those racing dates away from turfway who has really been struggling and uh, i was really curious to see if it was going to be deemed a success or not it has been and churchill has applied for those racing dates with the kentucky horse racing commission so they're going to run it again next year and they expect it to be bigger and better they're thinking that uh, it'll be a little better known so many people uh, just didn't realize it was open in the month of september and with high school football and college football and all the other uh, distractions that had in the month of September. A lot of people didn't realize it was open, but uh, it, it was a very successful meet, and they're going to do it again next year. Brian, I know you also follow the Louisville basketball program. Have you been able to make it to either of the scrimmages thus far over the past couple weeks? Yeah, my wife and I and my two sons made it to uh, the scrimmage yesterday, and boy, I tell you what, what an impressive display of uh, depth. I mean, uh, I just, you know, you don't know who to brag on the most. And, and then to consider the final four MVP was sitting over there and wasn't even getting in the game, Luke Hancock and, and one of the most valuable reserves on last year's team, Kevin Ware didn't play. I mean, it's just no wonder they can't get any recruits to come back in the backcourt. Uh, Rozier was just spectacular. I mean, in my opinion, uh, Harold, who is really trimmed down and just looks like an absolute man amongst boys is a pure lottery pick. And uh, talent-wise, my, in my opinion, Rozier is the second most NBA talented player on the team. And then I guess maybe Shane uh, Russ, but I mean, I don't know. It, it is very impressive, really nice crowd yesterday. Um, I, I, I had a lot, I really liked the way Mango looked too. Uh, he, he really looked like he uh, he's no Gorky, and that is the one obvious flaw. Chris Jones looks to be a very capable replacement for uh, Peyton with a much better shot. I mean, he almost reminded me of Timmy Hardaway, I mean, with the spin moves and the shots. I mean, he's very explosive. But I couldn't have been more impressed with uh, the car- basketball Cardinals and their depth. That, you know, I, I saw where they're going to open up against Kentucky Westland, and I tell you what, those poor guys, they don't know what they're in for. I mean, they're going to run – 12, 15 guys at them, uh, and, and one team's just as good as the next. So let me ask you this, Brian. Do you, do you think that Patino's going to let Rozier play? You know, he usually holds freshmen's back a little bit their first year. Well, he's not uh, really a freshman, but technically. But do you think he's going to let him get out there and play his question. game? Great question, but, yeah, he's got to. He is clearly, in my opinion, the most talented uh, athlete on the team, except for the, the raw size of Harold. But, yeah, he, he's going to have to break the mold. That is the knock. I tell you what. That's a great question too, because I mean, if he does not really let Rozier go, it'll set it'll set back uh, the program because they have got to allow. And in the past, he has had to develop players, but this guy is ready to go. I mean, he is he is a superbly tuned athlete. He's a year older than a you know he's not just a regular freshman. We all remember he didn't qualify academically and had to go to a prep school, so he's not your typical freshman, both in uh, in maturity and in uh, in age, but uh, yeah, he's going to have to let him go. He's going to have to let him start. He is too valuable, and if he sits him uh, for for any reason, I think there's a very good shot he's only going to be at Louisville for one year. I mean, I, I can't imagine that uh, 
any anybody's more ready to go into the NBA than him. I, I as you could tell, I was just blown away with his athleticism, his poise, his jumping ability. I mean, he went up and took a rebound away from Shane yesterday in the paint. That uh, and you don't take many rebounds away from Shane. And uh, I tell you what, and, and Wayne Blackshear looked good. His stroke looked good yesterday. Uh, but uh, I think he's going to have to let Rozier play 30 minutes a game or really risk uh, setting the program back with recruiting because this guy's ready to go. And I think he's one and done. I think he's done after Louisville, if, if yesterday was any indication. Good stuff. Great analysis there, Brian. We appreciate your input on not just the world of horse racing, but also, um, you know, the, the Louisville Cardinals red-white scrimmage yesterday. We'll have to have you on the show over the course of the next couple weeks to keep us up to speed and to help us preview the Breeders' Cup. Thank you very much for coming on today, Brian. Have a great rest of your weekend. My pleasure, guys. Keep up the great work. Really enjoy the show. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Brian. You know, okay, you have to break this down to me. I'm not too familiar with this whole prep school stuff. So he graduates high school. Yep. He doesn't go JUCO. It's a great question. So is it like an extended high school? Is it like 13th grade? I mean, what? I mean, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is it? What, it's what weird. Is, so what is the prep school year? It's like uh, they're normally military-type schools. That's what it was, uh, Hargrave Military Academy. Kind of like Major Pain, the <laughs> sure, movie? Sure, sure. <laughs> You go there, I, for example, I went and watched Terry Rozier and Anton Gill play. So they have a basketball team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's 13th grade. I mean, who do they, who do they play against? Other high schools? I mean, what? When I saw them play at Iroquois High School last year, when I was actually holding the, so the he's camera a, so and I was he's recording a year, So he's a 20-year-old in 13th grade playing against high school kids. No, actually, they, they, the game that I saw was they were playing against another prep school. Okay, so, so they play against of, other prep schools. So you have a bunch of future... College basketball, many Division One players were in that game. Many many future Division One players were in that game. Um, and they they turn out all this great talent. It, it's an interesting I agree with you. It's an interesting um, extended so extended it's school thing in between. It's for people who are not academically ready okay. in, in the event of John Wall or uh, you know, Terry Rozier. Any of our listeners may have a better explanation of it than I do. Give us a call. 384-1450 on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. What is prep school? Is it a sham? Supposedly they go in there. You're not allowed to do much partying. You're not allowed to do anything crazy. You got to be up at the crack of dawn. It's a military style school. And Kevin Keats was the head coach of Hargrave Military Academy before he came and was the coach at Louisville, an assistant coach at Louisville. Um, but it's an interesting revelation in the recent or relatively modern world of college basketball recruiting. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line where we got our man Brandon on the line. How are you doing this morning, Brandon? What's up, y'all, man? Hey, I'm always I enjoy, I'm enjoying listening to the show as always, but... I mean, from the last, what was that guy's name? Brian, man. The Brian, Louisville, Brian the, the insider. Did he, did he, did he have inside scoop? The Louisville just win the championship, or did they just play two, uh, two scrimmage games? They just played each other. What's going? <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I'll just check it. I'll just. They're a little excited it. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, between between the hundred thousand dollars stud fees and uh and and Rozier and Gill, man, I was like, damn, I thought you know the world was ending or something. But um, look, man, about that prep school stuff, I think, like, I remember, like, in 92, I think, like, it started off with uh, football originally, I believe. 
football was the main thing they were doing those prep school things, you know, disciplinary problems and grades and stuff like that. And then I think like, you know, just like uh, liquor stores and chiropractors, all these prep schools, schools started popping up for these basketball people. You know what I'm saying? And hey, you know it's a scam, man. But I mean, if it helps the kids, it's all good. It's all about the money. Like with four, was it was the um, what's that school that always wins in Virginia? Uh, that, uh, yeah, the military. Uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, Newport News, well, isn't not, it? Where Rajon Rondo not, went? Yeah, where Rondo went. That school. Oak like, Hill. They don't even play in Oak Hill, man. They don't even play any home games. They don't have a home gym. They're basically like a barnstorming team, and they make uh, the basketball makes all the money. And it supply, you know, it supports the school. And of course, it's a scam. But I mean, you know, if it's successful, nobody's gonna cry about it. But man, why are y'all not talking about the biggest game of the season? It's the Redskins and the Cowboys, man. America's <laughs> team, man. We, we get to America's it, man. Team, you know what's scary about the oh, division, God. Brandon? The scariest thing about that division is that the Giants are still in contention to win it at zero and six. We're only like three games out. And it's NFC stinks, man. Um, and then you know. It's going to be interesting to see what Philly, Philly, what Foles does uh, today with Philly because Vic might he might be out of a job for the rest of the season, man. Because he had a good game last game, he's probably going to have a good game today because they're playing the lowly Bucks. But you know, it's always interesting. But Cowboys, baby, how about the Cowboys? Well, hey, man, good job, guys. Oh, how? All right, thanks, Brandon. Once again, this show is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. J is for justice. Personal injury attorney, the best one in town. The lawyer for the city. We appreciate Brandon calling in. If you have ever want to get in contact with Brandon, you need any personal injury services, you've been hurt in a car wreck, anything, give Brandon a call, 502-587-0041. Brandon J. Lawrence, J is for justice. You know, that's interesting, this whole prep school thing. It I, is. At the, you know, I'm going to do a little bit more research on it for next week. 13th grade, I'm going I'm to get to the source of the scam. It says breaking, right here. I'm breaking the story next week. I'm on, you're breaking the story. I'm on John Wall's Wikipedia page. It says, as a fifth-year senior in 2009, <laughs> Wall averaged 19.7 points, nine assists, and over eight rebounds for Word of God Christian Academy. So, so they're, so they're all over the place. So it is 13th grade, essentially. Yeah. Five years of high school. Yep. And really, I don't, you know, I, I, I appreciate that Brandon compared <laughs> Happily compared it to liquor stores and, and chiropractors. Yeah, that was interesting. But really what, what they're doing, I think, is they're taking kids who have maybe struggled to get into a rhythm where they're doing well academically, maybe they lack some discipline, and they make them wake, wake up early in a military-style st- setting, and they teach them some discipline. So how come they didn't send character to this school? I think they did. Let's how look come, it up. How come they didn't send Errol Clark to that school? They were on the same team. They were? Okay. In high school, Earl Clark and Derek Character, at least for their senior year, were on the same team. I think, I'll look it up here. Broadway High School. I don't know, to be honest. Regardless, a lot of the top guys you hear about end up at a fifth, as well, a fifth not, year not senior. Not all the UK of, guys. I mean, John Wall was an exception. You know, not all of the UK guys, yeah. but it happens. Majority of the Louisville guys I heard more uh, commonly <laughs> that go to they go no. these prep schools. No, there's plenty of UK guys also. <laughs> uh, we, we'll look up the numbers. That'll be our yeah, project yeah, yeah, over we, the we week. Compare. Yeah. I know our man Hank Garrett, who's joined us on the show many times, has a better explanation than I do. Maybe I'll get him to, to call in next week and explain the phenomenon that is prep school for guys like Terry Rozier and John Wall. We're going to head to a break here. We'll be back with more Weekend Sports Buzz. 
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. And welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz with your host Kelly Patrick. I am Carlo Kellum. Don't forget about the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line 502-384-1450 or text us on the Lotus Guns Works text line 502-414-1450. A lot of good games on tap for this evening and this afternoon. The big game I'm talking for is New England and New Orleans. Nobody's talking about how good New Orleans' defense is with Rob Bryan uh, taking over. And also the, the play of Drew Brees. I mean, people have forgotten that they're 6-0. and They're undefeated. I'll be honest, I hadn't thought of the fact that Rob Bryan took over the defense. I hadn't thought of it in a, for a while. They lost their controversial head coach who had the, the bounty gate. Right, lost the first season. The, but the now defensive he's back. coordinator, not not their head coach. What was his name? Uh, I forgot his. Wait, was it? I forgot his name. But yeah, they, they got rid of, yeah Greg Williams. They got rid of him, and uh, you know, last year was a, 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 a interesting and uh, controversial year for the Saints. But they seem to be back on track, man. They do Next, five and zero. Five and zero. They have the potential to be six and zero going against New England today. I'm picking them to beat New England at New England tonight. Well, this this afternoon, four twenty five game. I mean, I I, I'm I agree imp- with you. I'm impressed by the way they play. I mean, Sean Payton has a, a chip on his shoulder, obviously, against the NFL. He's going out there to prove something. And what better way to do it against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots? I'm right there with you. I watched my Bengals beat the Patriots last week. Yeah, good game. And I picked that game. And you, you did. Hey, I was you one did. I picked. You did. Yeah, you I did. had the Bengals winning. But, and maybe I'm being too much of a pessimist, I wasn't impressed with my Bengals at all, even though they won. Well, the defense was good. And I wasn't too impressed. Oh, the defense is great. Yeah. You're right. But the Patriots, they're missing Vince Wilfork, the core of their defense. Yeah, the big guy. So I'm right there with you. I th- so you're picking the Saints to beat the Patriots today? I, I think am they're going to go in and show out against New England I think today. they might, too. They're going to show out. They're going to shut them down. I'm predicting New England won't score over 10 points. They only scored six last week. They didn't throw a touchdown last yeah, week. Yeah, for, for the, the first, first time in... A lot of games. How many games? Um, so you're right. That's a 5-0 and team. New Orleans Saints coming off a year where they didn't have Sean Payton. He was obviously suspended due to said bounty gate yeah, where addition, Greg Williams yeah, lost yeah. his job. They brought in Rob Ryan. And look what happened with Dallas. Look, Brandon called in and asked about Dallas. Look what happened last week. Monty Kiffin is the problem for the Dallas Cowboys. He invented the Tampa 2. That was 20 years ago. You saw what he did at USC. He destroyed their defense. Now he's doing the same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. There's no they the Dallas Cowboys let Denver put up 51 points. They would have won the game if the defense would have showed up and made some type of play, made at least one or two plays. I mean, they, the offense can only do so much. I mean, I mean Tony Romo did put up 48 points. I mean, you can't. I mean, you, you can't go in a scoring match with Dem- with Denver against uh, Peyton Manning. The defense has to make a big defensive play, get an interception, cause a fumble, do something, get a stop them on third down. They weren't doing any of that. I'm right there with you. You can't pin that loss on Tony Romo, who threw for over 500 yards, had a poorly timed interception. It was a great decent defensive play by the DB for Denver. It was a great play the way he jumped in there and took it away. Yeah, and it, it wasn't the best pa- pass. It was but a it was, bad pass. But it was more. It, also, the DB made a great play on it. But they had 48 points at the time. You can only do so much. You can only do so much. The defense yeah. had to make a play for Dallas, and they did. I'm right there with you. Monty Kiffin just let Peyton Manning pick him apart. And speaking of that, Denver has Jacksonville today, 
And you know they've been battling it out over Twitter. This I wonder past what week. the line is on that. Did you see the Twitter beef they had this week with the owners? <laughs> Twitter beef, yeah, Jacksonville, Between Jacksonville, Jacksonville and Denver. And Denver. Yeah. The worst versus the best, <laughs> right? Yeah, but uh, no. What was it? Tell me. Do you uh, share? Uh, it had something to the extent where you know Denver. I, I don't remember exactly what was said, but Denver put something out there about Jacksonville, and it felt like Denver was taking a shot at them. But really, Denver wasn't. So Jacksonville, you know. Came back and just said something a little sassy. It was look it up real quick. I I, I don't know verbatim, but it was a, a little war of words between uh, Denver and Jacksonville on Twitter. There is no doubt at all as to who's going to win that game. Google, Google, Google. I'm going out on the limb. And I said this yesterday. I'm predicting Jacksonville only loses by 32 points. What's the point spread? 45. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's a large margin. Can't believe we're giving Jacksonville this much airtime. No, there's plenty of other stories there. One thing, th- one thing with Jacksonville, they they tank for Teddy. Teddy can possibly go home and be a, a Jacksonville Jaguar next year. That's a possibility. Yeah, why not? He'll sell tickets. That's the type of quarterback. That's what they need for Jacksonville Jaguar Jaguars next year. They need a they need a quarterback. Start with that first, then rebuild around well, Teddy Bridgewater because the pretty much the whole team sucks. They did draft, you know, since they've been a sub or a below average team for years now. They did draft, I think, Luke Jockel, a very highly high first round pick of a a left tackle this past year. So ideally, if you're a quarterback coming into a situation, what do you want? You want someone to protect your blind side, especially if you're a passer like Teddy. So Jacksonville did draft a, a, a big left tackle, supposedly one of the best. Is that enough to lay the foundation for something that would be appealing to Teddy Bridgewater? Probably not. They got Cecil Shorts. They still have Maurice Jones-Drew. Well, Maurice Jones-Drew is a joke. But they got Gus Bradley, his first-year coach. I think he's going to end up turning this team around. Give the guy a chance. Uh, I like Gus Bradley. Give him a chance to get his players in there. So maybe next year they get the right quarterback. Maybe they get a Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe they get a Johnny Menzel. We don't know. But they're definitely going to get a quarterback, and that's what they're drafting next year. Uh, Dallas, Dallas at Washington. This is going to be an interesting game. I, you know, no matter what the records are for both the teams, whenever the NFC East teams play each other, it's always a good game. It's the night game for the night, eight thirty game. I'm predicting RG three is going to step up and have his first big game of the season and beat the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going with RG three and the, and the Redskins for this game tonight against Dallas. What happens if the Cowboys lose this game? And it said, it said Jerry's world. Jerry made the horrible mistake. Of making a comment referring to a moral victory after that loss. I mean, it, it was a moral victory. For who? <laughs> At what stage do <laughs> you Tony say Romo. we win? <laughs> it was a moral victory. I mean, it was they 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 play they're playing against a tough Denver team with the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, like I said, his defense had to make a play, and they didn't. And I think Washington's going to pick them apart. I'm right tonight. there with you. They're going to pick them apart tonight. I'm adamantly opposed to. The notion of many fans who blame it all on the quarterback. And Tony Romo epitomizes my argument more than anyone. You can't blame it all on a quarterback. There's only 11 doing, guys only on doing the, the playoffs, offense. not a regular season game. If it was the playoffs, you could have blamed it on Tony Romo. Why? Because he threw the pick. But a regular he season threw game. 506 yards. But still, it's a regular season game, and I blame the defense. See, if I it just, was a playoff game, I probably would have shifted more blame to Tony Romo. I think there's 11 starters on offense, 11 on defense, 11 on the kicking team. That's, what, 33 players, 33 starters. 
11 on the return team. That's 44 starters. And you're going to tell me that one player is responsible for everything? I, I don't know. I, I think it's a team game the more so than anything. There's more players on the field for football, and they all come together and e- are either good or bad. And I think that if you're blaming it on one person, the it's person just not who accurate. has a ball in their hands the most gets the blame, win or lose, and that's the quarterback. I think that that is true. Is it accurate? Hey, I, Trent, I don't Diffler, think... Trent Diffler gets credit for the Super Bowl. He didn't do anything but hand it off. He doesn't get credit for the Super Bowl, <laughs> does he? He gets credit for winning it. He was the starting quarterback. He gets credit for being on the team, but nobody really gives him credit for winning that. He managed the game. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. I don't know, man. I, I mean, that's that's the, the perception, and that's reality to the majority of fans out there. And I, I don't, you know, it's tough to say. Perception is reality. But in my opinion... Everybody on the team matters. It's a, a team game. If your left guard sucks, it's going to get exploited. If, yeah. you, if you don't have an offensive line, I don't care who your quarterback is. That quarterback's not doing good. If you don't have receivers to throw to who can catch, look what happened last week with Tom Brady. Didn't complete a touchdown. It's a team game, his, and that's his, what's cool about His football. wide receivers were finally exposed. They, they were exposed to having a crap offense this year. New England, this is what we're going to see probably for the rest of the season. They've been exposed. How, how, how do they have a crap offense when Tom Brady's their quarterback then? People, y'all need to quit putting Tom Brady on this thing, this pedestal as if he's the god of the, of the QBs of football. How many Super Bowls has he, he won? Has to, when was the last time he won a Super Bowl? Like eight years ago? Yeah, exactly. Okay, but that, he's won. That flame, has burnt, that, that flame has fizzled out. We're not going to see Tom Brady. We're not going to see him win another Super Bowl. His time has passed. Okay. They're 5-1. and one. Four and one. Are they four and one? Okay, four and one. <laughs> okay, so I mean, they, we're gonna, they could, they, they could we're be gonna in see the running. What they, we're going to see what they made up tonight when they face the New Orleans Saints. I hope that they are missing Vince Wilfork. So I'll continually go back to that. Other games that intrigue me today, we have the Andy Reid-led Kansas City Chiefs. Five and zero, oh, led by Andy Reid and Alex Smith. They're playing the the Raiders, who are two and three. If they beat the Raiders, how big of a story is that? And how much credit does Andy Reid get? How great is Andy Reid? Well, I I, I compare Andy Reid to Marty Schottenhammer, former uh, Kansas City coach. I always had great regular seasons. But really, what is he going to do when he gets to the playoffs? Are they going to be a one and done? He can have a great regular season, lose one or two games, but will they win a playoff game? That's that's where his legacy is going to be. you know, measured by his playoff wins. I don't know if he's going to win a playoff game with this team. They're good. They're a good regular season team thus far, but will they be the type of team that can go deep in the playoffs? How many I don't think so. NFC Championship games did he bring them to? Four. Four. They brought them to one Super Bowl, right? Yep. Four uh, NFC Championship appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, zero Super Bowl wins. At the end of the day, if you want to be considered an all-time great coach, you is have he to- a Hall of Famer? With those numbers, is he a Hall of Famer? Four NFC know. Championship appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, didn't win it. Great regular seasons. Is he a is he a Super Bowl? Is he a Hall of Famer? You Probably so? not. Probably not. I don't think so. But I'm I'm uh, actually I think this is going to be one of the better games uh, tonight or this afternoon uh, with Terrell Pryor leading the Oakland Raiders, the prodigal son of Al Davis. Al Davis's last draft pick. Proving the world wrong right now. Ter- Terrell Pryor played a heck of a game last week. He's been playing some good football. Even Bassett back from the concussion last week, he had a good game. I mean, I, I think moving forward, he is the future of the Oakland Raiders. 
Al Davis has left his print, his thumbprint with Terrell Pryor. You don't think that they need to address their quarterback position in the draft? No. I think he's the future. Okay. You see how pretty he throws that football? He's a talented. And he's mobile. Yeah. No, do you see how he's throwing the football? He's throwing the football very well. You're right. He's a very talented guy. Um, Just give him some weapons around him. Give him a running back that's going to stay healthy. They should have kept Michael Bush. I still don't understand why they let Michael Bush get away. He would have been uh, probably leading the league in Russia right now if he was uh, with Oakland because McFadden stays hurt. But right now, I guess he's still backing up Forte in uh in Chicago. Is he is he is he playing well this year in Chicago? Michael Bush. Yeah, he hasn't done a ton this year. I'll bring up his stats here. And done a ton, but he he's on a good team, and you know, come playoff time, it, it may be that he turns into being an integral part of a, a playoff push. He's carried the ball twenty four times for forty four yards and one touchdown this season. Wow. He should be with the Ra- Raiders right now, leading uh. Being the number one running back, or or complimenting, um, well, McFadden. Sorry. McFadden. He only played. He only played right. seven, eight games a season, if yeah. that many. That's true. Terrell Pryor is uh, six foot four, two hundred and thirty three pounds. He's got all the physical tools. He's got a ninety seven point six quarterback rating on the year. Is he a true starter for the long run? He has two interceptions, three fumbles. Quarterback ratings only fifty three. I'm sorry. As Al Davis would say, the greatness of the Raiders 97.6. lies in the hands of Terrell Pryor. <laughs> he didn't say that. The prodigal son. He didn't say that. You just made that quote up. Al Davis's. The greatness of the Raiders. <laughs> Al Davis's lays final in the hands of Terrell pick. Pryor? Yes, Terrell Pryor. At the, uh, you think he did this on accident? He knew he was checking out. And he knew he had to make a big draft impact, and he got Terrell Pryor. Al Davis was a maniac, and he wasn't thinking close. <laughs> he wasn't thinking sanely at all. But this was the best draft pick he days. made the last ten years. So he did something right. Did something right on his way out. We'll see. Chiefs, Raiders, one o'clock. I'm going with the Raiders. Okay. I'm looking for uh, TP to have a big game uh, to, to pull it out. It's gonna be, it's gonna be at Arrowhead Stadium, so it's gonna be a tough one to pull out. I'm really liking Kansas City's defense, but I'm thinking uh, I'm going with Oakland to pull it out. Another interesting matchup is 1 o'clock at the Cleveland Browns. We get to see a matchup of 3-2 and two Browns. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it. No, division-leading 3-2 Divi- Division-leading. They're tied with the Bengals, but they obviously beat the Bengals, so they have the, yeah, the head-to-head advantage, tiebreaker, against the Lions. 3-2 and two also. Who's going to win? I'm going with Cleveland. I Man, don't know why. what a story will that be? <laughs> is, is Megatron playing? I know he was out last week. I believe Megatron is playing. But, yeah, I'm going with Cleve. I'm liking, I like the story, man. Uh, even though I thought they would be, you know, it would go downhill once they traded, traded away Trent Richardson, but that 3-0 since the trade. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. 1 o'clock p.m., we get to see the Bengals. At the Buffalo Bills. Bengals are 3-2. and two, The Bills are 2-3. and three. Uh, The line is Cincinnati by 6. Hmm. Who do you think is going to win the game? You think, well, EJ Manuel is out, Bengals so I'm going couple. with the Bengals, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the quarterback's out. for who, Who's starting for them right now for, uh, for Buffalo? Let's see here. I don't know. I'll bring it up here. Man, I'm, I'm about... To the point where if the Bengals lose today and I have another unimpressive outing by Andy Dalton, by Andy Dalton, I'm completely off the Dalton bandwagon. I like Dalton. Thad Lewis is a six foot two, two hundred pound quarterback. 
who's going to be starting for the, the Bills today. Jeff he is Tool? out of the powerhouse that is Duke. Jeff Tool? Is that what you said? No, Thad Lewis. Thad Lewis? Yep. Wow. He is uh, going to be starting at quarterback, but I'm a Bengals fan. Is Andy Dalton the true long-term answer? I don't know. We'll talk about it more when we'll be back with more Weekend Sports Buzz. Tune into the Weekend Sports Buzz every Saturday morning from 9 until 11 with Mike Gandolfo and Haven Harrington, and every Sunday morning from 10 until noon with myself, Kelly Patrick, and Carlo Kellum right here on 1450 AM for the best weekend sports talk in the Kentuckiana region. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. And welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz with your host Kelly Patrick. I am Carlo Kellum. I'm in a pickle. We're looking at my fantasy squad. Fans, I need your help. I've got Trent Richardson and Noshawn Marino starting. But I'm thinking about pulling one over for Alfred Morris, who I think is going to have a big game against Dallas tonight. So if you're a fan, you're listening, give me some advice. Who should I, who should I pull? Should I leave Alfred Morris on the, ben- the bench and leave Trent and No Shine in the, in, in the game for my fantasy squad? What should I do? I always go with the projections. I'm, I'm going with the voice of the listeners. I don't See, I don't go by the projection stacks because they're always wrong for me. Ruben Randall gave me almost 10 points uh, this past week, and he's only projected to give me two. So I, I really can't go off the projections, man. I, I, yeah, they always fail me when I look at when I go that route. I usually go by who they're playing against and the defense they're going up. And I think that Dallas's defense suck, and Alfred Morris may run all over them. So right now, I just made the decision myself. I'm putting Alfred Morris in the game. I'm taking out Trent Richardson. Looking to the big game of the day for me, Cincinnati Bengals against the Bills. Currently, Cincinnati ranks 25th in the NFL in scoring offense. That's not good. Their defense is seventh in scoring defense. So the Bengals have a very premier or elite level defense. Oh, yeah. They could just they were just rushing four against uh, Brady last week and getting to him. Yep. Yeah, they have a vicious defense. This they year. have a vicious defense. They've got guys like Michael Johnson and Geno Atkins and depth at uh, defensive secondary, Reggie Nelson, Pac-Man. I mean, <laughs> is he got- still a threat? Hold on, how is this guy still playing and he just punched a woman recently? He Not only punched a woman recently, Man. but did you watch the video of two weekends ago after the Bengals game? He was in the car with his girlfriend who got a DUI, and he argued with the refs. I'm sorry, not the refs. <laughs> you could call him the refs. The yeah, authority that is figure. I forgot all about that. He, he, argued, he argued with the, uh, the cops, and he got put in jail again. Wow. Pac-Man's been arrested like, 30 times since he's came in the NFL. How many chances do you get? But he he had the game-winning interception a couple weeks ago. This dude is a stud. He's a part of this defense. I love him. I always welcome him on the Bengals' defense as long as he can contribute, and he can. Classic interview. Adam Pac-Man Jones called into the station. He did. (laughs) If anyone heard it, Montrell Jones had had Pac-Man Jones on the show about a year ago. Very impressive uh, interview. One of my favorites that I've ever heard. I gotta say, I love the Montreal Jones Power Hour um, that was on about a year ago. My point is, the Bengals, 
25th in scoring defense. I'm sorry, scoring offense. They've got talent. I would expect more from AJ Green and Dalton this year. Me as too. A combo. I, I I put them up there as one of the best combos in the, in the top five combo uh, wide receiver QBs in the league. They're not living up to the hype. Plus, you got a stud tight end in Grisham. Gresham, and you got Eifert, too, the, the first-round pick out of Notre Dame at tight end, who's a, uh, a threat for receiving the ball out of the backfield. Proximity says that a lot of Colts fans and Bengals fans live in the Louisville, southern Indiana area. I'm a Bengals fan, plenty of Colts fans. I am about done with Andy Dalton. Give us a call, 384-1450. We've got eight minutes left in the show. So do you think Andy they... Dalton is not the answer at the quarterback position in my eyes. I think they should be looking to somehow upgrade. And they don't need the best quarterback in the NFL. They don't need Peyton Manning. They've got a tough, stout defense. They need a good quarterback. So should they go with a free agent? Or should, they, or should they, why should they start all over with another rookie? I don't know because Dalton is not, all over. is not the answer. Should they go with a free agent next year? I think Dalton is the answer. I like Andy Dalton. Okay. Give him time. This is only his third year. I don't. I don't. Did you watch the game last week? Uh, yeah. They won. It's against the New England Patriots. They did. I mean, they won the game. This is his third year as a starter. He's five and five, five touchdowns, five interceptions. That's not, you know, he's, you know, that's that's pretty bad. But he's got a, like three fumbles, also. Yeah, I, I liked. I really liked what I seen last year. This is this is the year he's supposed to, you know, open up a little bit more, show that he's grown from last year, and he's still kind of in the same on the same level right now. But the season's still young. Trust me, I hope more than or as much as anyone out there that, that Dalton pl- turns a corner today and has a huge game against the Bills. That today is a huge game. Today for is the Bengals. game that he should have a huge game against this Buffalo Bills team, especially with their quarterback being out. They're going to have the ball in their hands a lot tonight. I don't think you know they're going to keep their Buffalo's offense off the field. So Cincinnati will have the ball pretty much the whole game. They'll control time of possession. They will. All right. Looks like we had somebody that was listening earlier. We were talking about prep schools, the 13th grade. So uh, someone has a call about that. Caller. What's up, guys? Hey, how's Kelly it going? Tank, man. How you doing? Good. I, I called you out, and you answered my call, Hank. If anybody can explain to us this relatively recent phenomenon that is the 13th grade or prep school like Terry Rozier, John Wall, it would be Hank Garrett. And fortunately for us and our listeners, Hank, you are listening. Explain to us what this is. How long has it been going on? And is it a sham? Oh, no. It, I mean, well, yes, I think they could get a little bit of a bad rap. But if it's done right, um, they've actually been going on for a long time. Uh, in the Northeast, they're huge. But not just for basketball players, for all kids. Um, and essentially, just look at it this way. It's like a private school on steroids. Um, now, like, like take Nerlens Noel, for, uh, for example. He played for a technically a prep school. All you have to do is add classes so kids can take preparatory classes to get them ready for college. Now, whether it's with your state athletic association, if you have that 13th grade player, if you can play other teams, Oak Hill is a prep school. That was the most famous prep school you know, for the longest time. It's just those kids can go there because that's the they try to condense the talent so the college coaches can see them. Like in the Northeast, they have a whole league where these schools will just have 13th grade players and then they all play each other. Um, now there comes to where they call them the quote-unquote diploma mills and they just bring the kids in. They essentially don't have to do much. There may not even be a building for them. They just get a basketball team together and then go play. I think they've taken most of that out 
but that st- still does sometimes happen. But it's just whether the kids want to do the prep school, you can still have regular kids play. Um, so it is essentially a good thing for the most part. That's fair. I- I've heard some criticisms that, um, you know, for example, I'll go ahead and say it. Terry Rozier struggled to make grades repeatedly in high school. And I was told by multiple sources, don't worry. He's got a year of prep school. No way he's going to fail. <laughs> so what, what, is, that, is, that, is that the bad rap on it, Hank? And is there any validity to that? I'm sure there is somewhat of validity. Um, now, what you also have to look at is kids may come from a tough environment, um, go to a public school that's rough. Teachers may not necessarily have the time. Uh, now, I'm not saying that a kid shouldn't want to do it, but at a prep school, let's say, there's smaller classes. You probably have a teen tutor. Um, it may be the attention that the kid needs to get it done. Uh, I have no clue what actually goes on, but I know that, you know, if you have a primetime athlete and you sit with him every day from, say, 4.30 to 6 or whenever practice is after, and you're able to help him through that, I don't know necessarily know if that's a bad thing. You know, some people will may say, "Well, the kid needs to do it on his own." Well, may, maybe, maybe not. You know, but I think that's more or less what happens. I don't think they're they're diploma mills or anything like that. So, what's the biggest difference between the the prep schools and just why don't they just go to JUCO for a year? Because you lose college eligibility. Oh, okay. JUCO, you have to you now the prep school you can still. Go to a prep school, be a, be the thirteenth year play or be the thirteenth so grade, and then go and have the four years of eligibility at a you know at an NC two A school, and then you can also do the redshirt year with that. Um, so you essentially could be looking at being a regular high school kid and then being twenty four by a senior. Now you're not looking at those kids that are going to go to the NBA, but it, but a kid that just wants to get through college to have the best chance to play you're going to be much older than, say, the rest of the kids, you know, that you're going up against. Does that pose an advantage? You got a 24-year-old kid out there, 25, going against uh, 18, 19-year-olds? Well, it really doesn't happen anymore. You know, it happens a lot more in the smaller levels. You know, in JUCO, it honestly happens a lot. You have a lot of kids that are 23, 24 uh, in JUCO just because, the you know, the JUCO rules are just it's pretty much the Wild West. You know, they have very, very minimal rules. Um, you know, as far as the qualifying standards, things like that. Um, so, I, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a question I can't really answer because it's what you believe, I guess, morally. Hank, I know you played four years of college basketball. You're a great resource for us. I called you out, and I appreciate you calling in. Before I let you go, I'll ask, other than John Wall and Terry Rozier, what card or cat recently has taken a similar route as those two guys through a, a prep school? Um, as far as doing the fifth year, yes. Um, not one you know brings quickly brings to mind, but I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have done it. You know, a Lamar Odom, a Karan Butler. Um, you know, those guys were at the NCI Academy uh, up there in Maine. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know about the the actual. Oh, Twenty Beckham, Twenty Beckham school route. Of course, he went to Mississippi State uh, for the two years before he transferred into Kentucky, but he was up there in the Northeast uh, somewhere else, too. Good stuff. Great insight there from our resident 
um, high school and college basketball expert, Hank Garrett. Hank, we really appreciate you calling in. Have a great rest of your weekend. All right, you too. Good job. Oh, thanks. That was great insight by Hank, man. Appreciate that. I was trying to figure out, are you sure that wasn't Dusty Rose pretending to be Hank? You think he sounds like Dusty Rose? He sounds like Dusty Rose. But it was great insight, man. That great was insight. great. Hank is our, our uh, expert on all things basketball, really on every level. So we got to appreciate that. Yeah, Carlo and I are both big basketball guys on the college and NBA level and everything like that. So we'll talk to Hank more in the future. It's been a great show. I want to remind our listeners, every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sunday from 10 to 12, is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. J is for just us. Join us next weekend for more Weekend Sports Buzz.